Well, Chinese state media is sticking to its claims that nothing happened when this year's third deluge of the Yangtze River passed the Three Gorges Dam last week. However, the official Xinhua News Agency did report that a part of the structure underwent a bit of damage uh, due to the pressure of the surging waters. The question is, what is going to happen to the 94,000 smaller dams if the Three Gorges Dam isn't able to hold the water flow. It's a concerning situation, uh, of course, to the residents there, but to the rest of the world. So to discuss the possibility of the dam collapsing along with what the potential damages uh, would ensue, we're pleased to be joined by an analyst at the Economist Intelligence Unit's Access to China service, uh, Dan Wang, on the line. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Uh, can you tell us what the current situation is like in China? Xinhua citing that rain tr- triggered floods affected around 54.8 million people in uh, 27 provincial level regions. Uh, 3.76 million people evacuated. 41,000 homes damaged. Uh, uh, 368,000 uh, damaged and uh, 41,000 houses destroyed. Uh, what's strange is that, um, and again, we, we hope that is the case, but uh, the casualty count seems quite low. Only 158 have been uh, reported dead or missing. H- how would you assess these numbers? Um, because we don't have other sources, I guess in the official statistics, there must be some omissions, um, but there's no way to tell. And for those death toll, the statistics is almost always lagging. And it's not necessarily deliberate. Mm. Um, And what I can see by just looking at those official numbers, um, it is quite devastating for the regional economy, especially along the Yangtze River. Uh, The four major provinces, uh, Hubei, Guangxi, Anhui, and Jiangsu, they have huge economic losses. But if you calculate it and compare that to the well-known 1998 flood, the economic loss is actually much smaller. Uh, we gave a rough estimate uh, and see how big this economic loss is. And it seems like it can translate into about 0.05 percentage points of GDP growth drop. Mm. So I can, uh, I guess a fair statement is that um, the economic loss is very much localized, but the overall uh, economic loss is very, very small. Right. And just because China is at a scale that is almost incomprehensible uh, to uh, smaller countries, it is amazing just to see these numbers. But uh, there are around 94,000 dams along the uh, Yangtze River. Uh, the Three Gorges Dam, obviously the most prominent and, and the one under scrutiny right now. Uh, people saying that there is perhaps still a question of its strength and stability. Uh, do you think the uh, Three Gorges Dam... Uh, is able to hold up against the uh, heavy uh, torrential rain and not to mention even the smaller dams and their uh, ability to withstand it. What are your thoughts? Um, Because this issue is a big black box, um, the officials won't allow the discussion on the actual drawbacks of those smaller dams, Mm. uh, also the Three Gorges Dam. Uh, What I have heard from different experts, domestic and foreign, is that those smaller dams, they could prevent smaller flood, um, but they all have a designed capacity. If we have two more weeks of heavy rain, uh, it doesn't have to be as, as big as the, what, what happened in last week, uh, and those dams just can't hold that. Um, but there are also other experts talking about 
if we don't have those dams, uh, the situation could be worse. Um, I'm no expert in hydro engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever the truth may lie, the fact is, since those dams were built, uh, they most of them were built in the 1990s. We have seen uh, the flood in the downstream um, getting more extreme, and there are a lot more of them. And we have also seen more of a smaller but more frequent earthquake, especially around the Sichuan region. And there are definitely more landslide. Maybe it's just a correlation, but I think there are more evidence now pointing to the potential damage of those dams. You you mentioned the 1998 uh, flooding. Uh, the central government did say that uh, in the worst case scenarios, uh, they can do something similar to what they did over 20 years ago, and that's relocate uh, a, a large percentage of their citizens. Um, that's part of the broader contingency plan to uh, perhaps, uh, unfortunately, have a few be uh, have sacrifice, but to mitigate the the bigger future overall damage. How do you think um, in this day and age in China, people would react to that? Uh, very unfortunately, the people along the Yangtze River they they just help they just have to move yeah. uh, if they if the officials say they have to. So for certain cases. Um, the places are no longer livable or suitable to do farming. And we have seen that the reservoirs for especially the Three Gorges Dam has eroded many sections along the riverbanks. So the water levels are constantly changing, and they have triggered a frequent landslide. So along those landslides, um, those farmers just simply can't plant the stuff that they were used to planting, uh, such as orange trees, corn crops. So they might just have to move. And as far as I can tell, uh, China has quite an experience in relocating migrants. Mm. Um, Many of uh, the local officials have been promoted because of this. Uh, And the most prominent case is actually the party secretary of uh, Guizhou province, Sun Zhigang. He made his name earlier in his political career by relocating like half a million local residents, um, specifically for the Three Gorges Dam project because he designed this pairing system so every local officials were assigned a number of families to help them find new jobs to mm. calm them down. So I would say uh, the local people may not want to move, but if they must, it's more likely to be orderly rather than in chaos. Right. Uh, but uh, when we talk about then public morale or even public sentiment, uh, you mentioned Hubei province, and it's just been sort of uh, 2020 must have been just a very, very challenging year, uh, dealing first as the initial epicenter of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, getting through that now experiences the hardships of these uh, torrential downpours and the flooding that has ensued. So uh, as you say, uh, there's not really a debate about whether they can or cannot move. If the, if the state authorities say they move, they will move. Uh, you, you've, you mentioned it being an orderly transition. How, how challenging would it be to, to get them resettled and uh, get them new jobs or new, new livelihoods in this current difficult uh, environment? So getting new jobs or getting good jobs in a new location will be extremely difficult this year and next year um, because other cities also faced a big problem of unemployment because of COVID-19. But one upside uh, to the situation is that 
this generation of Chinese people, especially people living near the Yangtze River, uh, they're used to unexpected changes in their life. Uh, it's a very different mentality from the Western world. Mm. Um, I would say Chinese society is quite stable, um, but compared to the Western economies, uh, China is changing very, very fast in the, for- in the past 40 years. There were basically new changes every single day. Mm. So people are still hopeful because everyone's income has increased by hundreds of times compared to 40 years ago. And they also respect authorities. They don't tend to complain. So when they are forced to leave their homes, they must be really upset. Um, but the results may not be as miserable as many of the outsiders think. Um, those rural areas are quite lagging in their economic growth. When those people are forced to move to the cities, some people would definitely lose. But for others, um, they might get compensation for land. It could be quite high. Mm. Uh, they could get a very different type of career uh, or even becoming maybe doing uh, a city worker, like doing express delivery. Right. So there is a sense of community. There is a trust in the government. And I, I think it would really go a long way. Well, then, uh, leading back to that question, overall, the economic picture, I'm sure, uh, would be considered quite challenging in China. But relatively speaking, uh, China doing uh, much better than the rest of the world. Uh, but still, challenges are in, uh, inherent there. We got agricultural prices, steel products prices soaring. Uh, the cities uh, mainly affected because of the, the flow and the logistics and the, the supply of those type of goods. You mentioned the job market being uh, challenging as well. Uh, but overall, you seem to be saying, at least for public sentiment right now, despite all of those economic challenges, uh, people are mindful that China is doing relatively uh, better than the rest of the world. Right. Um, and if we are comparing China uh, to, say, Europe or the U.S., the situation is even better um, because its growth has already turned positive uh, in the second quarter. And this is the only country in the world that actually achieved this. And we have seen that um, the, in the area that people are getting most of flood, they definitely have the hardest time. Um, but also because of the COVID, uh, there are a lagging of the economic activities. So the relative influence from the flooding is, in fact, a bit smaller. Um, the real difficulty is that the, there is a disruption in the local transportation. So the products in those areas are hard to be delivered out. Um, but this, in a way, can push up the local price a little bit so the farmers can get compensated a bit better. Um, I guess uh, we just have to always try to find some silver lining in this situation, although it is, it is quite devastating. Let's talk about then the long-term economic plans. Uh, China is proposing a, a go-green approach to redev- uh, redevelop the provinces along Yangtze River. Uh, it is trying to maybe, you mentioned the rural areas lagging behind the rest of the more urban areas in terms of economic development, trying to turn those areas into an economic hub. Uh, the criticism, as you well know, uh, is that there will be economic, uh, ecological damage to these places um, if you go this route, which kind of goes against this idea of a Go Green initiative. Could you talk a little bit more about what China's trying to do? Um, China in the past has very much focused on the engineering approach. So China was building more dikes and dams and building up higher banks. 
But over the years, the government has realized there is a big limitation to this kind of approach um, because big dams are usually accompanied with a big flood, and that usually would submerge a large area of forest. Hmm. And once you lose those vegetation, uh, it can actually release lots of methane. It is a much stronger greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So the central government now is doing a very different approach. They have drafted new law to protect the entire Yangtze River Basin and also protect the riverside ecosystems um, that may help to reduce the flooding in the future. Um, This approach in itself, I have to say it's a great progress, but as a new law, it in fact surpassed where China is now in its development stage. So it is hard to be enforced. Um, I haven't seen any actual punishment measures in the draft law uh, of protecting the Yangtze River Basin. And the priority is still industrial development. So I won't say that we'll see some amazing progress in ecological progress, uh, ecological um, protection. But still, the law itself is a progress. The law itself is the progress. Uh, the question, as you are uh, alluding to, is uh, how uh, stringently uh, they would be uh, actually enforcing the laws uh, going forward. But the fact that they did have this uh, legislation on the books is uh, something to uh, give a little bit of optimism for all of those people who do uh, worry about the environmental impacts of uh, these very uh, major projects. Uh, Ms. Wang, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, appreciate your insights on the issue.